Research in the areas of intelligence and cognition has revealed some remarkable insights about non-human populations, specifically their capacity to think and remember. So if you've ever been called a bird brain by someone looking to insult your intelligence, well, you can actually thank them for giving you such high praise and tell them that it's time to get educated. Welcome to a special edition of Educated, a podcast that breaks down the walls of higher learning with easy-to-follow academic discussion in psychology and related topic areas. My name is Mario Ricchetta, and in this episode, we're going to switch our focus over to non-human populations, specifically memory and intelligence in animals. And for this show, I needed to call on a very special guest, someone who I'm not only honored to say I've learned from in my own schooling, but also someone who's just such an expert in the area of intelligence and cognition. We welcome to the show Dr. David Broadback, a psychology professor at Algoma University in gorgeous Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, who specializes in evolutionary psychology and whose research focuses on spatial cognition in various species. Dr. Broadbeck, thanks for joining the show. You don't call me Dr. Broadbeck. I've, I've told you that for years. Dave, my name is Dave Mario. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a real, uh, you said honor. It's an honor for me. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Now, speaking of it's been years, I recall years and years ago, I think I'm bringing it back to the early to mid 2000s. I was sitting in one of your lectures. It was a memory class at Algoma U. And I remember hearing you speak about some of your research. And I thought to myself, Man, this guy knows a lot about birds. <laughs> can, <laughs> yes, I get that a lot. Can you share right now with our listeners just a quick overview about some of the work that you've done over the years with birds or other non-human populations? Uh, most of the stuff that I've done over the years uh, involves uh, food caching birds. So birds like uh, black-capped chickadees, mostly. Um, they're birds, birds who store food uh, in scattered locations and recover it hours or days later for consumption. That literally, by the way, is a sentence in every paper I've ever written. Um, <laughs> so what happens is instead of migrating, they store food and recover it in, in the uh, winter. And so the stuff that I've done for the most part is looking at what they're remembering and how they're doing this. Because if they don't remember where the food is, they die. A chickadee, if a chickadee doesn't eat in... 30 sec 30 minutes sorry after they get up in the morning they're dead that because they weigh these birds weigh 12 grams mario they're tiny animals so most of the stuff i've done uh, stuff like that it's not i've done some field stuff too uh looking again at memory in a, a bird species called pine siskins um i have done some stuff on uh priming in pigeons but that's boring and even though it's a cool experiment uh and but mostly it's stuff with uh with food caching birds, but I've done some stuff also on timing and counting in uh, pigeons uh, and uh, concept learning in pigeons, things like that. So it runs the, the gamut, but mostly it's about spatial cognition is what I'm really interested in and also in people. So, uh, but that all came out of the fact that I'm interested in it, in, in it 
in non-humans. Not in, in, I'm interested in cognition wherever it happens, and a lot of it happens in things that aren't us, I guess, put it that way. Right, right. Now, when you mention a bird like, say, the chickadee, as you said, it's mm-hmm. this tiny little creature, and it's yep. able to survive harsh winters because of the fact that it can mm-hmm. hide like 80,000 individual seeds in the fall and then come back well, a couple not, of months it's later. It's quite that. You're, uh, you're thinking of the Clark's Nutcracker. Uh, the Clark's Nutcracker hides about 30... That hides 30,000 seeds and recovers about 25,000 of them six months later. Chickadees uh, probably recover, probably store hundreds a day and recover probably not hundreds. They don't need that much, but probably half that, 50 or so seeds. Uh, there are chickadees, the Siberian Siberian tit and the uh, willow tit. They're, they're both over in uh, Europe that probably store more than a Clark's not cracker, but yeah, anyway, sorry, go ahead. So, so now with, with whatever bird that we're looking at, whether it is the chickadee or the Clark's nutcracker, um, like the fact that they could do these amazing feats, what's going on in the brain of a bird that allows them to do it? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody knows really how memories are stored. We do know, however, that they have this, a part of their brain called the hippocampus, um, we have hippocampus too. Every animal with a brain probably has a hippocampus. Uh, and it's a part of the brain that uh, is important for consolidating memories in humans. Uh, it's also important for spatial cognition. And the hippocampus in a black-capped chickadee or any other food store is way bigger than it should be. Uh, it's it's uh, than you'd expect by looking at their brain size. So when you look at a black-capped chickadee's hippocampus, which is a very small thing because a chickadee brain is the size of uh, you know like a like a pea it's not in fact it's not that big um but this section of the brain is way bigger than it ought to be uh and in fact it, it grows in the winter uh and it shrinks in the summer so it's a it's a very efficient thing birds are very efficient animals because they fly uh, so because of the flying everything has to be at peak efficiency so you know uh if you don't need these few cells they die and then new ones show up in the in the uh, winter and in fact uh for chickadees uh also other food stores and other animals that need to do things spatially like uh let's say cowbirds cowbirds uh are nest parasites they have to remember where all the nests are because they they lay their nests they lay the, their eggs in other species nests uh and the females have to know where all the uh ne- these nests are in, in in their territory so they have a big hippocampus too so, uh, yeah, what's going on? It's hard to say. I mean, it's new connections, almost certainly new synapses. But what they are remembering, uh, that we can figure out. Uh, there is some work that's done on, is the hippocampus, be, is it important for storage of memories or recovery of memories? Uh, some of that work, in fact, is done by a PhD student at uh, the University of Western Ontario. Her name is Madeline Broadbeck. Uh, and uh, uh, she's my daughter and uh, her work uh, some of her work for her master's thesis involved literally turning the the hippocampus on and off with a cooling loop that was inserted into the hippocampus of a cowbird and you could actually shut it off by cooling that part of the hippocampus down and then warming it back up Uh, it's exceedingly cool and cooler than anything I've ever done Um, so what's going on I don't know exactly but I do know that if they don't store food chickadees by the time they're 44 days post hatch their their hippocampus actually shrinks to the size that it would be if they were non-storing birds so it's the experience of food caching 
allows some sort of genetic program to kick in that makes hippocampus do this growing and shrinking thing. But if they if they don't ever get that that's that uh, experience up to 44, 45 days post hatch, their hippocampus just shrivels down to the size of a normal bird. Uh, that's work from uh, Nikki Clayton from uh, where's Nikki now? I think she's at Cambridge. Yeah, but that was when she was at UCSD. So I guess that's what's going on. I don't know that we know what's actually going on, uh, but we don't know that with people either. We make a lot of guesses. Right, right. Either way, I'm assuming it's safe to say that insulting someone by calling them a bird brain isn't necessarily all that much of an insult, is it? (laughs) No. (laughs) Speaking about the intelligence of birds, I've heard it said that instinct could be a way that we explain some of these impressive things that are going on, whether it's memory or language use or even empathy. Does instinct play any type of role or are there other matters at work, perhaps something to do with evolution and brain structure? Well, you know, and I think you've probably heard this quote from me in a class uh, because I say it all the time. It's one of my favorite things ever. And that's that trying to figure out how much of a characteristic is due to the genes and how much is due to the environment is like trying to figure out how much of the area of a field is due to its length and how much is due to its width. Everything is always an interaction. Um, that's a quote from Donald Hebb, by the way, who's a, the founder of cognitive neuroscience. Uh, and he was Canadian. Um, and the thing about trying to determine if something's instinct or not, everything is partly genes and everything is partly environment. And you can't really even it's almost impossible to tease them apart. You can talk about it in terms of I guess, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? You can, you can talk about it in terms of populations and look at heritability uh, rates, but that, you know, something can be completely heritable, but it can also be completely changeable by the environment. So even if something is genetic and evolved, like any of these systems are, they're genetic and involved, but even if they are, it doesn't mean they're not uh, also affected by the environment. So it's both. It's always both. Like I just said about the chickadee, uh, hippocampus if they just if they don't get a certain experience the hippocampus shrinks that hippocampus is supposed to be big but if it doesn't if it doesn't get that experience it doesn't happen it shrinks so it's 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 stuff like that i mean nothing is anybody who tells you something's genetic or something's uh, environmental they haven't taken enough biology <laughs> because the world just doesn't work that way it isn't it's just not that simple if only it were the case um you know there's all these i don't know how much Bio- biochemistry you ever took but I mean when you take a look at all these releasing factors and uh, it, it's it's crazy you know it's almost it's something that I don't think we can actually determine it's a nice shorthand to say that's genetic or that's environmental but it doesn't help us a whole lot we are we are animals and we're really cool animals by the way but we are just animals so unlike not unlike every other species uh it's we're, it's a combination of genes and environment coming together to make uh, behavior happen and to make nervous systems. Speaking of other species, if we if we were to look away from birds for a moment in discussing other non-humans, can you give us perhaps a few examples of what other non-humans are known to have good memory, others that might have poor memory, and if there's any that have no memory at all? <laughs> I don't know of anything with no memory uh, because even... The simplest animal with a nervous system, the nematode, has 302 neurons. We know what everyone does. We know all the circuits. Uh, they show operant conditioning and classical conditioning. So, and memory and intelligence, if you want to say that, is just persistence of learning. 
I think it's something like a bee. My friend Ken Cheng uh, says that pound for pound, bees are the most cognitively complex animals on earth. Uh, bees do things that they're able to uh, navigate using uh, the position of the sun in the sky, using patterns of polarized light in the sky. Uh, they, tra- they, they do things with landmarks. Um, they, they navigate great distances. They, there's a classic experiment where there was a, some uh, sugar solution put in the middle of, of, of uh, a lake on a boat. And bees were released from there, and they so they got the sugar solution, flew back to their hive, and of course they do that little dance language of honeybee thing, and they 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 are telling their sisters because they're they're all female, uh, males are just useless, male bees are dumb, they're there for reproduction only, and they're j- dumb as posts. Uh, a, my buddy Mike Boisvert did work on male uh, uh, bumblebees, and he just said they're stupid. Uh, <laughs> so maybe it's bum- male bumble- bumblebees, but the the females come back, they do this dance. And they wouldn't, uh, their sisters wouldn't fly to the middle of the lake. They would fly across the lake even to get to other food, but they wouldn't fly to, to the middle of the lake. Because, and and the, the, the notion here is it's not distance, it's that the other ones, had, they had a representation of how the world worked in their, not their heads, because they're not vertebrates in their nervous system. And... It's like no, no, you're crazy. Uh, look, there's that's that's water. There's there's no sugar there. No, no, I'm not going there. You must be wrong. So I mean, it's not like they're actually having that kind of rich mental life like that, but they have enough of one that they know that. Uh, or you look at, I mean, the things that amaze me are things like theory of mind stuff with chimps. So you've got a chimp, uh, and you show the chimp. Uh, the chimp sees somebody put food. Uh, underneath a couple of cups okay and the chimp can see that the person sees that but then and then uh it'll it'll pick the one that the person points to now here's the question does the chimp realize that the other person knows things so what you do is you put a bag over the person's head and the chimp sees the bag over the head and then as as the as the 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 cups are baited because one's baited and one isn't and then the cover comes off the head and the person points the chimp doesn't follow what the person does now if you put eye holes in the in the bag the chimp follows them again yeah so they understand what we like they have theory of mind right cool right so there's all kinds of stuff like that it's so mind-boggling uh the reason i do this kind of work is because it's just so neat it, it's the fact that there is a rich mental life of other animals uh it's nothing like ours there's no doubt about that but it's amazing and learning about it and pushing the, the the limits of what we can know by doing clever experiments. That's all we can do. We can't ask people with humans. I can ask you, Mario, did you remember that list of words I just gave you? That's easy. You do it. Um, with right, animals, right. non-humans, I can't, I, 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 I can't, well, I can, but it doesn't get me anywhere. I can't look at a bird and go, okay, uh, I want you to pack it the one you just saw. The bird just looks at me like this. So <laughs> it doesn't work. So I have to design seriously clever experiments. So it's, it's, it's also a fun puzzle that way. 
Well, this is so awesome. Like you said, it's just so neat. Normally here on Educated, we talk about more, you know, those quote unquote human issues. So to be able to have you on the show today, we're certainly fortunate to get these insights into non-human sort of cognition, memory, intelligence. We want to make sure all listeners know where they could check out more things. Dr. Dave Broadback, he's on the web, www.davebroadback.com. There you can find links to lectures. You could find some great podcasts that he's a part of. I know that Dave's been at the cutting edge of podcasts from the start, I always bring up how years and years ago, Thunderbird 6 was the first yes. podcast I ever heard. And I think it was yes. a podcast before anyone really knew that podcasting was even a thing. So <laughs> that's super rad, Dave. We also want to make sure everyone knows to get onto Twitter. They could follow at D Broadback for even more great content. So until yeah, next and time. And also a lot of me yelling and stuff at people about <laughs> things. So it's uh, it is, it's kind of R-rated, my feed. Let's just say that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, viewer and listener discretion is advised, always. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, Dave, you know how much I've appreciated you over the years. I'm so honored you that so you much. took it's the time kind. to be here today. Jesus. And I'm definitely hoping we're going to have you back because there's still lots more to talk about if you're down for that. Oh, totally, totally. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. We'll see everyone next time on Educated.